welcome back to my podcast. I am Camilla, your high vibe advocate. Give me 15 minutes and I will give you a high vibe world. So a lot has changed since last week regarding the coronavirus pandemic that we're living through. And today is Wednesday, March 18th, and we are on the third day of our quarantine. I already have a virtual office and virtual practice, so I just have continued my regular workday. So it's pretty much business as usual on my end, with the exception that many independent medical examinations have been canceled for my clients and the doctor appointments have been canceled. I actually just found out today that a lot of clinics and uh, doctor's offices are going to be canceled for the next two weeks at least, and doctors are doing virtual examinations of people that absolutely must see them. So it's kind of crazy. Uh, So yeah, my workers' compensation clients are going to be facing some delays in closing their cases or having surgeries approved and performed, and especially since elective surgeries have been canceled. And here in New York, schools are closed until the end of April and possibly for the remainder of the school year. And um, the mayor of New York City is contemplating imposing a shelter in place, whatever that is. You know, I guess it's you can't really leave your apartment and has already closed bars and restaurants except for takeout and delivery. Um, Hospitals are getting increasingly more crowded as more and more people are getting sick and cases are being registered. Business are invoking the force majeure clause, which means that they can get out of contractual performance penalty free due to this unforeseen and uncontrollable circumstance that we find ourselves in. The government is scrambling to pass legislation that would help needy families and small businesses, and tax season has practically ended as deadlines for the filing and paying have been extended until July 15th. Unemployment could reach 20%, according to some government officials, so we could be facing the next Great Depression. Um, The problem is that this is a time of a brave new world, and with a lot more people and a brand new moral code we just don't know what that would do to our society it's scary especially for anyone who's watched the 2011 blockbuster contagion i highly recommend not watching that it'll just make you paranoid um so it's no wonder that so many people are very anxious even normally calm people are feeling a bit edgy due to the uncertain times that we're living through let alone those who already suffer from anxiety disorder and anxiety isn't something that we cure it's something that we manage It has both physical and psychological impact on a person, and it is absolutely life-altering if not addressed. I have stretched numerous times here the importance of uh, (laughs) Um, living life to the fullest and finding joy in our everyday, and that today is all we have, so we must try to be present and not take it for granted. But anxiety makes that very difficult to do because anxious people forget to live today because their mind is stuck in the future or in the what-ifs. So um, one person who knows this very, very well, in addition to me, because I definitely have anxiety, but um, someone who has been diagnosed and treated for this and who has not only been able to turn his life around by managing his anxiety, but also taught me how to manage mine, is my amazing husband, Scott. And he has actually agreed to co-host this episode with me today. So I want to ask you guys for more than 15 minutes of your time today so that he can teach you the tools that you need to manage your anxiety and regain control of your mind so that you can thrive, not only in these 
tough times you're living through, but all the time. Hi, honey. Good. It's great Hi. to be here, and I'm excited after listening to your podcast for a year to finally be on. Aw, thank you for being here, and um, I wanted to, to have you here because, you know, I want you to tell everyone your history with anxiety. Like, how old were you when it began, and what was it like? Yeah, so from from early on, from what I can remember, I was always anxious uh, as, a, as a little kid. Um, just a story that comes to mind is when I was in second grade, I was sitting in class with all my other classmates, and I was feeling my uh, heart, putting my hand on my chest, and was not able to feel my heartbeat, okay, which is pretty normal if you're heartbeat is not, you know, uh, beating too fast. And I started panicking (laughs) in the class and enough so that I ran up to my teacher and stopped the class and told her that I thought my heart was stopping. (laughs) Um, so that, that is a memorable story that I have, but it was obviously before that I was just very anxious, always scared, scared something was going to happen to my parents, something was going to happen to me. Um, and that was just kind of like a tipping point where, I mean, you have to be really panicked to stop a whole class, kind of embarrass yourself in front of everybody and tell your teacher that your heart was stopping. Um, so that happened and that prompted, um, a meeting with the guidance counselor in the school. And then thanks to my mom, finding a great therapist. And so basically I started therapy in second grade wow okay so what was therapy like because many people think that therapy is a waste of time you know that you can just talk to anyone like your friends your family you don't need to pay somebody just to listen to you but especially as a child you know what were those sessions entail and and you know what was it like so obviously i'm a big believer in therapy i feel like everyone could benefit uh from uh, talking to somebody, obviously a professional, and um, when I was a kid, from what I remember, I, I didn't realize that I was in therapy. Um, you know, I was playing with toys, doing puzzles, while my therapist was, you know, asking me questions and 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 giving me some, you know, pointers. And you know, for a kid, I just thought, you know, okay, I'm just here, you know, playing with some games, not realizing that, you know, I was going through therapy. I guess it's called play therapy, isn't it, I think? I don't know. Um, Did it help you, though? Did you start feeling different? Uh, Well, it took a while. So I was in therapy from second grade all the way to my senior year of high school. So 10 years of therapy. Um, Not that I couldn't use it now, but (laughs) I did go through 10 years of therapy. And it yes, it helped me. Uh, a lot. I believe that, you know, it was the only reason I was able to really, uh, you know, deal with life and, you know, go away to college and, and have a career. Um, and, and just the biggest lesson I learned, I think, and which took a while, it seemed simple, but it really took a while, was to not worry about the things that you can't control. So, as an example, I would be in school and I would spend the entire day 
worried that my mom wasn't going to come pick me up from school. Um, I don't know, it could be a normal, you know, fear for a kid at that age, but for me, it just consumed me. I couldn't focus in school and just my entire day was worrying. So what I learned to do and what I learned is that whether I was worried all day long about whether my mom was going to get me or not, wasn't going to change whether she was there to pick me up. So for example, if I'm spending the entire day worrying that, you know, my mom's going to get into a car accident and something terrible was going to happen, that was going to happen whether I was sitting there worrying about it or not. And for a kid, it took a while to really get that concept. But even to this day, it's helpful to just realize that things that are beyond your control um, just don't warrant any time you know worrying about it because it, things are going to happen or not happen whether you are thinking and worrying about it or not so from all my therapy that was that was definitely the number one takeaway um, and that it really helped me yeah I mean I have to say that that's that that was definitely the best tool you were taught and that is a tool that you taught me that has become the best tool I was taught also um, it's very difficult sometimes, especially when you're going through like a panic attack or, you know, if you're in a situation where you feel like there's a lot, uh, a lot of people relying on you, there's a lot, of, you know, weighing heavily on your shoulders and you really are afraid of uh, the consequences of something terrible happening. It's just stop. It's, t- it's tough to stop your mind from going down that spiral. And I know that it's been happening for me during these times, like I keep thinking that, you know, my parents are both over 60. My father has diabetes and hypertension. I have three grandparents who are over 87. One of them is diabetic. Obviously, all three of them have some sort of underlying medical condition. And just by the virtue of their age, it's, you know, tough. Uh, my best friend, like one of my best friends is pregnant and due in May or June. So, you know, it's not easy. No, not knowing there's not enough data related to that. I've, I've said all of this last time, like basically I'm just surrounded by, you know, people who are undergoing cancer treatment, you know, a lot of people that I love that I, you know, I'm afraid of, of this situation, even you, cause you know, I don't know, you're, you're here, but you were commuting to the city before all this and you were taking the subway. I mean, I know we're healthy, but you never know. Um, and I had to really distract my mind and not focus on that and, and just remember that this tool that, you know, me worrying about this is not going to change the outcome. I need to only worry about the things I can control. And I can't control what anyone else does. I can only control what I do. And I can't control, um, you know, the virus itself and how quickly it spreads and what's, you know, the impact it's going to have on our economy, for example. But um, how long did it take for you to see improvement on how you felt when you were in therapy? I mean, you know, did it happen right away? Did it take all 10 years? Like, when did you start noticing your life was changing for the better? Um, I don't think it was instant, but it was a slow progression, just a total mindset change that I had to train myself uh, to really stop and think, you know, um, is what I'm worrying about right now, you know, something that I can control? And if it's not, then distract my mind and really just stop worrying about it because it's not uh, productive. So for a second grader, it was a little hard to, you know, comprehend. So I think as I got older, you know, that was easier to uh, 
implement that thought process. Um, just thinking back, you know, one other thing that I learned was trying to uh, have some sort of control over certain things. So again, the big fear when I was in school was I wasn't going to be picked up from school and I was just going to be left there and forgotten. And Every kid, I think, has that fear, though. Okay, well, but yeah. maybe, yeah, but Definitely, probably okay. in the back of their mind. But right. for me, it was something that I, I couldn't function. function during the right. day thinking about it. So two things that I... that my my mom you know uh helped me with was number one uh at that time there were no cell phones so i had quarters quarters in my bag that okay if i get out of school and nobody's there to get me at least i have some quarters that i can go to the payphone and and i had phone numbers of you know my parents so i would call uh the house or my father's work so i felt like okay I do have a plan in place uh, in, in case someone's not there to pick me up. So that helped. And also, um, I was, <laughs> this will sound crazy, but having a, like a password for someone who, let's say my mom couldn't pick me up from school um, and she had to send someone else, a friend or whoever, um, to pick me up, they would have to know the password. Um, to pick me up and that so these things i think that's genius i don't think it's crazy because it might sound crazy but it doesn't sound crazy to me because how would you know I mean, especially in a day like today you know there's all these creepers out there how would you know that's that your mom really sent this this other person to pick you up i think that was a genius idea that gave you that feeling that reassurance that it really was your mom who sent that person um you know yeah no so i think having those things in mind you know helped um so it's just all these little small things that may seem, you know, simple, but they really changed the way I thought. And so not worrying about things you can't control, having some control over certain, you know, certain things um, helps. And, you know, that's how you get through having, you know, terrible anxiety. And you've clearly overcome it. You know, you've you overcame it so completely that now you're successful you know you're cfo of one of the largest uh real estate developers in new york and um you're able to be productive at work and you're able to enjoy life right um so tell us about what it's like today as an adult and all those tools like your responsibilities because i think it's really interesting i mean obviously if you hadn't learned to manage that anxiety you wouldn't be able to handle all those things you handle which are a lot of things if you'd like to discuss those yes so I don't think it ever totally goes away. I'm still just generally an anxious uh, person. Um, so that, it hasn't left. It's not like I'm cured of anxiety. But all the tools I learned in therapy and how to deal with that anxiety, um, I, I practice that today. So when, you know, um, things are happening, at, whether it's work or... Um, like even if I can't reach you for an example or, um, something where, you know, there's, there's something that's concerning. I have to like always stop and kind of think, okay, stop my mind from going down this, uh, you know, path, uh, that's not helpful and not productive at all. 
and just refocus and say, okay, what can I control? What can, what's out of my control? And, and just that's, you know, something that is a daily, uh, you know, something that I deal with every single day. Yeah, it's a choice, basically. You choose to focus your mind on a particular task or, you know, you, you choose to enjoy what you can enjoy and take some, some sort of joy out of even a negative situation because otherwise it's a waste of, of a day or energy, right? So, um, I mean, you handle like crazy number of accounts and stuff. I don't even know if I would be able to do that. And I think I'm less anxious than you generally. Um so even like you're even able to prioritize things a certain way, you know, there's a lot that I learned from you with your lists, like when I'm when I'm losing. So everybody knows like when I'm like literally wanting to yank my hair out from work pressure, it's it's him. It's he's the one who helps me really manage my workload because he has just such a good, um, you know, grasp of how to handle that. Like, how do you handle that? I don't know how you handle all of your workload. Like you have all these little, I know you have those little like yellow sticky notes, but. Yeah, um, I still use post-it notes um, on my desk and just making lists. Uh, for me, having lists really helps um, prioritize. And also I feel like if I spend the time to go through writing a list and deal with everything that you know, has to be done. Just having that list done. I haven't done anything. I haven't crossed anything off the list, but just making the list um, relaxes me and definitely brings my anxiety down, Um, which, you know, I don't know if that's the same for everyone, but it's funny because, again, nothing's been done. It's just all I did is make a list and I already feel better. It's refocusing. It's also, I think there's some anxiety that comes from not knowing what's ahead and how many things you have ahead of you. And there's something really satisfying that comes with crossing each item on the list. I think that for me, like what you tell me all the time that I love is that um, I have to tackle one thing at a time. And when I'm doing that one thing, I can't think of a next thing, which was always my issue. Cause I, I'm one of those people that starts a thousand projects. (laughs) at once and then it's like tries to do them all together uh the multi like you know the, the typical multitasker overachiever type person but you've been really able to take me away from that thank you for being <laughs> that way um well we're clearly living in a high stress and high anxiety time that's why i wanted to talk about this today because um i want to help people navigate these times and usually the way that I deal with anxiety is by avoiding the triggers, which for me are things like driving long distances alone. You know, I don't like driving in bad traffic or where I've never been to before or where it's hard to find parking or taking public transportation. I know I sound so bougie, but it's true. I can't. I hate the subway. I don't like the Long Island Railroad. I am not a person who likes crowds. OK, as much as I love humans, I don't like crowds. And I think a lot of people are like me. Um, but I literally cannot go. Like if I just, I won't go, I'll take a car service to the city and pay a lot of money just to not be in that situation. Um, and I used to have anxiety related to the fact that those things caused me anxiety, you know, because I was anxious about the fact that everyone else seemed to be fine with those things except for me, you know, but I, I have learned to accept myself. And as I did, I just also accepted the fact that I'm not a commuter. 
you know, I'm not a crowds person and I have adapted my life and I found happiness by avoiding situations that would be triggers. So in a way, I actually have been preparing for this exact moment, this social distancing, the social isolation all my life. Like this is literally just another day in my life. Um, But let's talk about what are some of the ways that we manage anxiety generally and how those tools can be applied to the coronavirus pandemic, right? Um, So let's go back to what you were saying before. Only worrying about the things that we can control and not worrying about what we can't control. Because obviously, if what well, it's a waste of energy, right? We can't control something. So we, whether we worry about it or not, is not going to change the outcome. Um, so in this situation of the coronavirus, like what are some of the things we can't control? Um, and maybe you can help me think this through. Because obviously we've been like watching CNN every day. There's a lot of things that keep happening. I mean, we can't control... Um, whether we're going to, like for me, for instance, I can't control whether the, the board is you know, going to give the carrier more time to, to pay attorney's fees or claimants checks and stuff. I'm going to get bombarded by my clients if their checks aren't coming in and hopefully they'll understand it's out of my control. But my check also won't come in and obviously I, I need to understand it's outside of my control and I need to manage that situation if it comes. Me worrying about it now won't change the fact that that will happen because that's something that is not a decision that I can make. I cannot influence the board on how what decisions they're going to make related to that. I also can't make decisions for the government generally with any policy that they're going to pass or not pass. Um, and how that's going to impact me. I know there's people out there worrying about home invasions for food um, or obviously worrying about running out of toilet paper. And short of just buying, you know, food and toilet paper, there's nothing else we can really control, right? Is there anything else I'm missing that maybe? No. I mean, I think in this environment, you know, there are certain things that you can control. You can be responsible as far as... um, limiting the amount of people you come in contact with and just trying to slow the curve of this. I sound like uh, the politicians no, but it's in their true. press conferences. I think it's a video. You should go tell, yeah, because you're really good at explaining the situation with the overwhelming the hospitals. Why is it that, because people are like, oh, the flu kills more people, cancer kills more people, heart attacks kill Cancer, the flu, and the heart attacks and everything else, gunshot wounds, falls from roofs, they're not going to stop happening because of the coronavirus. But you know what's going to happen because of the coronavirus? Yes. Hospitals are just going to be overwhelmed with the number of people coming in. So I think that all this, like people call it hysteria. They think we're overreacting. Um, So I don't think people need to be worried that like, oh, we're all going to die. And even if you have coronavirus, you're going to die. And that's not the concern here. The concern is that if we don't, take these measures to slow um, the rate of, of getting the virus, then too many people are going to have it at once. Too many people are going to need to go to the hospital um, for help breathing. And what happens when there's more people coming to the hospital than there are you know, beds and ventilators? That's when you're going to have real true chaos, uh, kind of what's happening in Italy now, mm-hmm. where... There just aren't enough medical professionals and and beds and hospitals to accommodate all the people coming in. So that's what all these measures are. It's just it seems like panic and and 
hysteria, but all it is is to slow the rate of spreading the, the virus so that it's manageable for hospitals. That's that simple. Exactly. I mean, there are things that are in our control. Those things are social isolation, social distancing, washing our hands. I know it sounds ridiculous. People are like, oh, you know, we thought that in 2020 we have, we'd have uh, flying cars and instead we're teaching people to wash their hands. You know, how crazy is it that everyone should be washing their hands anyway? But this is much more frequently. It's after any contact with any surface because the virus can stay alive on surfaces, especially metal surfaces, porous surfaces for a very long time. It can stay on your envelopes and your deliveries from Amazon. You know, I'm not trying to make you crazy about this. Just have hand sanitizer have you know rubbing alcohol soap and water just like try you know if you don't have that wash your hands with lemons you know lemons like they kill bacteria that's why they're ceviche people so there are ways that you can even make your own disinfectant at home and still stay virus free um so yeah those are the things we should do and and i know that not everybody's taking this seriously and, and that's exactly why pandemic happens um so another thing that I think is important right now, especially because so many people are so anxious, is focusing on the positive aspects of this time. You know, I know that some people might think it's crazy for me to list anything as a positive thing, but there's always a positive for everything we do in life, for everything we go through. And um, one of the positives about right now is that we've, we're being forced to slow down. It's literally in my, obviously I didn't pray for a virus that kills people, but it's an answer to prayer in my life because I have had the most, like one of the, the busiest year of my entire life this year so far. I didn't have time to breathe. I was really sick in the beginning of the year with symptoms that actually are very similar to coronavirus. I had a sore throat and then I lost my voice and then I couldn't sleep because I had this cough that was a dry cough and it wouldn't go away. And then I had this like mild fever. I was tested negative for the flu, wasn't responding to the treatments that they were giving me. Turned out that they turned to like my upper respiratory infection diagnosis turned to bronchitis and eventually just went away on its own. I just, I needed like NyQuil to sleep at night. Um, so my year has been literally the worst. Um, and as you all know, with March Madness being canceled, it definitely is the worst because that's like my life in March. Um, but one of the good things about it is that it forced me to slow down. You know, so many things are getting postponed, delayed, canceled that I I had no choice but to slow down. I also have always wanted Scott to be home more. And here he is working from home, which we'll talk about soon. Um, so the social isolation is something that forced people to be, you know, more, even though we're, we're distanced in a lot of ways, we're also present a lot more with each other and we're more available for each other, even if at a distance. So there's definitely a lot of positives. Um, and definitely the lessons that I'm taking away from this, like number one, that nothing is that urgent. You know how we always think that we must act on something immediately, reply to this email right now, this text right now, call this person back right now. And everyone else expects that from you as well. And, you know, some projects that, you know, could be done in, in a day, two days, a week, a month, but we do it right now. And then we just keep piling on more and more work. And then we don't live, we don't enjoy life. But right now, a lot of things are getting postponed that we would have thought were urgent. And obviously, we're being forced to realize that they're not. So that's really a great realization. Because I think from this moment on, we'll remember this, hopefully, and then we will remember that it's okay to take time to enjoy life once this is all over, when those things pop up again. 
because <laughs> um, and also the, a lot of work that we do in person can be done remotely. You know, uh, I've been obviously a huge proponent of the results only work environment and any sort of work that can be done remotely should be done remotely for environmental sakes. You know, obviously it saves the environment not to have so many people commuting and polluting. Um, but also because it's just less stressful to work from home. Um, obviously not, it's not for everyone, but for those people that would benefit from that, um, I think this is a really great way to force companies that are able to adapt to this to adapt to this and see that they don't need to babysit their employees. They don't need to watch over their shoulders to make sure they're doing their work, that the work will get done. And in fact, you're going to know from this who you should keep and who you should let go. Because the people that are going to come up with excuses or they're not going to be present, they're not going to be cooperating, they're not going to be productive, they're going to be much more visible this way than if they're present physically in an office, you know, having a conversation every day at the water cooler for eight hours, you know? So I think that this is actually a really good way to show that there's a lot of work that we could be doing remotely, which is going to save us a lot of time in commuting and stuff, which is going to allow people to be present for, for, you know, a walk in the middle of the day, uh, more time with their dogs and their children and their, their elderly parents and significant others that work from home and also being present for games and, you know, making sure they have time to actually enjoy life. And conversely, we also are learning that FaceTime is important, you know, for people like me who have been such advocates of, you know, remote work. I'm noticing that not being able to see anyone, being forced to isolate sucks. I do love my human contact and I do miss being able to see my family on the weekends and go out for dinners with friends. So this is actually, you know, showing us that we're humans and we need to be connected, right? Um, it's also forcing us to reprioritize our lives because it's very important for us to be healthy. We're noticing this, that our health is the most important thing we have. It doesn't matter what else we have going on. If we're not healthy, we're not going to survive certain things. Um, and we need to take time for ourselves. It's going to, you know, there's so many great, uh, lessons here. Also valuing teachers and healthcare workers and scientists, you know, all the people that are, you know, the scientists are working extra hard to try to get us a vaccine. Healthcare workers are literally our lifeline right now. They always are, you know, but right now it's like they're working overtime. There's not enough of them. They're exposing themselves firsthand to something that nobody knows, you know, if it could morph into something bigger. So they are heroes, you know, thank God for the people who have chosen a life of risk, a life of exposure the way they have, you know, cops and, you know, everybody. But teachers, it's funny because a lot of people with kids, um, they have to homeschool their kids right now. And they're noticing that that's not so easy, is it? And, um, you know, they're really learning the value of teachers. And I think that that's a really good thing. Um, It's also teaching us to elect better leaders because we did not have proper guidance and we didn't react fast enough. So I think that that also you know, comes to mind. Obviously, this is an unprecedented time and nobody, maybe nobody would know how to react. I don't know. But there were some countries that had better reaction than others. And those countries had this issue before ours. So we should have followed the models that worked instead of the ones that didn't, right? Um, I think, you know, we also need to be socially responsible. We need to think of other people. This is a time to remember that just because we are healthy and we can't die from this, um, someone else, you know, this, this whole idea that, oh, this is only killing old people. You know how selfish that sounds? 
If you live long enough, if you're lucky enough to have a long life, you're going to be old one day. And if you received that news, you wouldn't just be like, oh, it's okay, I'm old, I'm ready to die. You know, it's scary. And we shouldn't be so selfish to brush it off like, oh, it's nothing because it's just affecting the old people. We all have someone old in our lives that we love and who have literally given their entire lives to us. So now it's time to take care of them. And the way we do that is by not exposing them to this stuff. Um, and like I said before, distracting our minds, you know, not being so focused on just the news all the time, because that's going to drive us crazy. We should watch movies, not Contagion, but other movies and shows and comedies. And, you know, uh, yesterday, right, honey, we were doing the, the FaceTiming group. Mm-hmm. How cool that was, right? Um, I never even knew that that was possible. All the discoveries we're making um you know with our friends and stuff it we should do this every every day the reason we don't is because we're always so busy with things we shouldn't even be busy with which is another lesson for this time that we're spending too much time without you know doing the right things in our lives in terms of connecting with the people that we love and stuff um and you know we should really be kind that's another lesson for now because you know not everyone is as lucky as we are not everyone has a job that can continue to to stay open and, and keep you there and pay you and pay for your health care. Um, you know, and we have to think about those people, people that can't go shopping for food, people that are too old to be exposed to those things. Thinking of them and doing onto them in whatever way we can, whether it's donating to a charity that's focusing on helping these people right now or just literally volunteering your time if it's possible and directly giving food to people that you know are in need or, you know, attention, checking in on the people that need checking in on um, because that, that's going to make you feel better. It's going gonna, it's gonna to really restore the skeptic's faith in humanity. And it's going to avoid the, the chaos that people are so afraid of. You know, Because one of the reasons that you would have people invading homes and going apeshit, it's, sorry by the word, is because um, they might be in a desperate situation. So what about we just don't let that happen? How about we think of others enough that nobody is desperate, right? Um, and I also want to take this time to compliment as well as congratulate the Hudson companies, which is, you know, uh, Scott is the CFO of Hudson. And um, they have done an incredible job. You know, they are doing an amazing job as a company. The way they handle this pandemic has really helped decrease anxiety for the employees, as well as the numerous tenants that they have, because they have a lot of rental buildings. And uh, honey, can you share all the things that Hudson has done right during this time, maybe as an example for other companies and other employers. Sure. So, I mean, everything happened and changed so quickly from just last week to this week. Um, When this first started, you know, in the U.S., it just, it's amazing how quickly we went from, well, we're not sure if this is going to be a big deal to a week later talking about like shutting down the entire country um, which that's pretty dramatic in one week's time. Um, so we had to adapt, you know, as a company and figure out, you know, how do we move forward? So we're dealing with, you know, temporarily closing down construction sites, you know, where hundreds of people were working every day. Um, like you said, all the rental buildings, you know, that we have dealing with, you know, how do we deal with tenants in the buildings and, and making having them make rent payments um you know it's going to be tough for a while for everybody so these are all the things you know we've had to deal with while 
you know, not being together in the office. And we all have, we had the ability to work remotely before this started, but we were really, uh, you know, uh, an office that has about 75 people that come into the office. So we've had to adapt to this um, new way of, of dealing with things. And, you know, we've adapted pretty well. I, you know, I'm working now on Zoom and Slack, which are these platforms. Zoom is video conferencing. Slack is like an instant message system. And I had no, I'd never heard of those until uh, this week. Um, so we're really coming together and doing everything that needs to be done, you know, all while while being at home. You know, we re- literally have nobody or one person in the office at a time just to get mail and things. But we've completely shut down our our physical office and everyone's, you know, working remotely and we've been pretty successful doing it. I mean, even this afternoon later today, we have a virtual happy hour. It's the coolest thing. On Zoom video conferencing where our entire office is going to, you know, kind of log in and just as if we were at a bar, you know, everyone's at their house just logging in and, you know, just to have that sense of community. Um, but these are, you know, the things that we're doing and hopefully other companies, you know, are doing. I think at this point it's kind of crazy to have companies that have the ability for their employees to work at home to make them come into the office um, seems kind of silly. Even like the, you know, what you're doing with the rental payments, allowing people to pay, you know, without penalties if, they, if they're they late on their rent for the next 90 days. I think that's crazy. I mean, not a lot of people are doing that. Not crazy in a bad way, crazy in a good way. Um, yeah, and we're in, you know, lucky to be in a position to be able to do that. Yeah, I know that not everybody is. That's another thing that I want to touch on because I'm not trying to demonize places and, and employers and, you know, people that cannot afford to do this, you know, because for their own survival, they can't. But if you can, then I, I'm just saying that it feels so good to do it if you can. Um, and uh, no, yeah, absolutely. I think that, but Hudson has always been like a, a people first a people forward company um you know they they are <laughs> it's so funny like yesterday i love the the picture that allison took of everybody together with their dogs like holding their dogs and their kids in the meeting um you know the virtual meeting that they had of the of the 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 executives like the the principals so it was really interesting to see that that's normal that it's okay to be normal we don't have to put on like this this fake persona to, to seem credible for, you know, as a business person, you, you can be a, a, a human centered company, a human focused company and actually be more successful than the ones that, you know, aren't like that. Um, and who would frown upon, you know, a dog barking or a child crying during a, a phone call, because that's, that's normal. That's life. Everybody is human. And if you frown upon that, then, you know, you're basically just shooting yourself in the foot. You're putting yourself in a position where other people will frown upon you for being in that situation. So I like that, the adaptability, the the humanizing that not only the circumstances bring, but that Hudson so easily and so readily accepts not only now, but always, you know, you guys already bring, you know, the, the dogs to work sometimes. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's really cool. Um, so, you know, just to recap here, I know I don't want to take a lot of your time, but let's just stay focused on what we can control and do our part, you know, be kind, 
continue working, but also take this time to connect with ourselves and press the reset button and, uh, and eat as healthy as we can and exercise at home. We don't need the gym to stay active. And we can go out, you know, if, if, if just in our neighborhoods, as long as we're allowed to, as long as it's still safe for us and others. Um, and we also have to have faith that this too shall pass and we will be better people for it. Our society will be better for it. Because this virus, which is forcing us apart, also seems to be bringing us together. From the singing off the balconies in Italy and in Israel to the athletes donating to the stadium staff who will be without pay because the NBA season is canceled to the restaurant owners setting up funds for their employees while they must slow business down and sometimes shut down to the ordinary citizens giving thousands of dollars in tips to help restaurant staff to the teachers giving free tips and lessons online to parents struggling to, to homeschool their kids to the grandchildren and children of seniors isolated in nursing homes going to the windows to touch hands through the glass and to point to the engagement rings to give the good news to their elderly grandparents. To the people in forums and uh, neighborhood chat apps volunteering to shop for seniors and to send food to those in need. To the supermarkets that shut down their shops early, you know, and, and open them early uh, in the morning just for the seniors so that they can shop with less people and therefore be less exposed. To my friend Tatiana who keeps posting and volunteering herself to get products for uh, and, and help those in need. And to the, the building worker in my best friend Sophia's building who carried her groceries from her car and cleaned her kitchen for her because she's all alone in Tampa and has a broken toe and can barely walk. We are one. We are good. And these times are the times that we can all experience how amazing it feels to do unto others. May the pay it forward spirit continue to grow and may humankind be reinvented in a renewed spirit of unity. Thank you, honey, for being here. Thank you. And that is all we have for today. Thank you for being with me and for listening to me and for being a part of my journey. I am Camilla, your High Vibe Advocate. Looking forward to your outreach at highvibeadvocate.com and your follow on Instagram at highvibeadvocate. And as always, looking forward to our meeting next right here on my channel next Wednesday. See you next Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs>